Hi, thanks for tuning into the Bacon Warrior Podcast. On today's episode, we talk about the Detroit Lions lost to the Green Bay Packers, MSU's football lost to Penn State in their matchup this weekend against Maryland, and then we talk about MSU basketball's win over Oakland and a little preview of Big Ten League play. Here's Spartan Dog 97. Thanks, Spartan Dog 97. When I'm not hoping that scalpers don't find a way to get their hands on the coronavirus vaccine, I'm Spartan Dog 97. Lucas is here, and Lucas, our prodigal son, has returned to us. Brett is oh. back. Long absence. It's great to see his face. It's great to have you back, Brett. Yep. Thank you. I'm, we got a great show today. Excited for it. So let's get to it. All right, and let's start with our three minutes of Lions talk that inevitably goes over three minutes, shall we? Let's do it. All right, so I think everyone was kind of expecting to lose to the Packers. They have something to play for. We, The Lions had an outside chance of maybe possibly having something to play for. And I want to... I think there are a couple plays that really personify my problem with the Lions just as an as an entity that exists in this universe. And Brett, I think you and I are on the same page same page about this. There was a lot of talk yesterday about whether or not Marvin Jones catch was a catch in the fourth quarter yesterday. Now, never mind that they scored on that drive. Like, they scored a touchdown on that series. It wasn't like they had to pump the ball away or anything. They, they scored on that drive. And two, even if Marvin Jones had caught that ball and they scored the next play, whatever, they didn't have to run the extra five plays, right, to get that ball into the end zone. What makes you think a defense built by Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia would have stopped Aaron Rodgers? Because we saw what happened after they, after they scored on that drive. So I don't really understand. Like this whole Detroit versus everybody, the refs are always out to get the Lions mentality, is one of my least favorite things in sports discourse. Officiating is not perfect. They're human beings. They're going to fuck up. That's just what happens when, when you have human beings trying to police the behaviors of other human beings. Now, are they choking out players? No. Are they shooting players in the back? No. So it could be a whole lot fucking worse. But I just don't understand... Why Lions fans are so quick to blame the referees when we were never going to win that game anyway. We were never, ever, ever going to win that game because the defense is an atrocity. It is an affront to NFL football. We would be better off putting out the Michigan State defense that un- unequivocally. And Angelo Gross right now isn't as he is a true freshman and 19 year old child is an upgrade over whoever the fuck is starting at cornerback right now. I know for a fact 
that 34 is way better than fucking Jelani Tavai. I know oh. that mm-hmm. for a fact. Antoine Simmons is Antoine Simmons right now. If if we were if you were to just pick up Antoine Simmons from East Lansing, drive down six, drive down ninety six to Allen Park, put him in a Lions jersey, slap him in the ass and throw him out on the Ford Field, he would be worlds above Jelani Tavai. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he, he yeah, he's, he's, I just, I don't have anything nice to say about Jelani Tavai, but I will say that Antoine Simmons has proved over and over again to be a leader, uh, a great asset for the Michigan State defense, and I couldn't agree more that if you, and if you flipped, I mean, if you put Jelani Tavai on this Michigan State team, they don't have a win. I'm just putting, <laughs> saying that right now. Like, imagine Jelani Tavai trying to QB spy Justin Fields. I know that our defense didn't do a great job of that, uh, last week or two weeks ago, but it whatever we did is much better than whatever that Moana extra would have done. <laughs> Moana, <laughs> I, <laughs> like this kind of shit gets me all fed up. And look, Lions fans do have legitimate griev- have had legitimate grievances with NFL officiating over the years. I'm not talking about that, but like the Green Bay games last year, uh, the Pass interference that in in that Dallas playoff game that was picked up. Those those did not have direct outcomes on the games. So if you're an MSU fan who is also a Lions fan and you and you hate it, you you get you get the broiling down in your balls and it comes up your gut up until you spit flames about how Michigan fans aren't willing to take accountability for losses that maybe it's the culture. That's the problem. Not, not the fact that the field was crowned or there was a monsoon or there was holding as, as Jalen Watts Jackson was running the ball into the end zone and the refs missed it. If you're not willing to admit there's a cultural problem within the Lions organization, I cannot fucking help you. I, I, I don't know how I can put this. I don't know how I can put this any more directly. If you're an MSU fan who is also a Lions fan and think that the officials fucked the Lions over yesterday, then I don't want you to be an MSU fan anymore. I don't want you because you're not objective. That defense was never going to contain Aaron Rodgers. It didn't contain Aaron Rodgers the first time. What fucking changed? The fact that the fact that fucking Mumu wasn't on the sideline with a pencil in his ear. The fact that these guys tolerate Daryl Blevel when they fucking hated Patricia down to his molecule, and he has a lot of fucking molecules. I just don't understand what you thought the outcome was gonna be. And now we have these fucking Kool-Aid these Kool-Aid beat writers who are dishing out playoff scenarios. Not anymore. It's over. No, they're yeah. doing it today. Well, they're still doing it. They're still, they're doing, still it. doing it. Wait, they're still was, doing it? Yeah, yeah today. Chris, Chris Burke did it. Chris Burke. Essentially, the Lions have to win out, which they've always had to win out. The Packers have to lose out. And I think like three other teams have to lose <laughs> out. 
it's just it's it's ridiculous it's just so i mean it speaks to the fandom that we have in the city instead of just being realistic and saying hey i mean it's like the lines have been just diagnosed with stage four terminal cancer and chris burke is pretending to be a doctor saying well you know if you take your vitamins every day you <laughs> might be okay no you're like it's, time is up and it's time to we accept it and uh, fans need to start mentally preparing themselves for losing out which is easily the best outcome for this franchise because there's a better chance that we get the fourth pick in the draft than we make the playoffs. So I think that the goal should just be for Lions fans to watch the team the next four weeks or three weeks rather, Uh, just enjoy seeing some of the young players uh, play well. I mean, DeAndre Swift's definitely a bright spot. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, he's playing very, very well. And then, I mean, you look at some of the other guys on the team, like Deshaun Hand is playing well. So, I mean, there's a lot of, and I won't say a lot of bright spots, but I mean, there's definitely some things you can watch going forward. The special without... teams fucking rule. I mean, the special teams are fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah. Combs, Agnew was one tackle away from really making it. I mean, it still was made a game, but he could have made it. Re- they could have been really close. Yeah. I mean, the guy, uh, Kerry Coombs, or was not Kerry Coombs. Um, I'm uh, blanking on the name of our special teams coordinator, but he's a very young guy and uh, he's highly regarded around the, around the league. And I mean, there was some talk of him potentially getting an interview for the head coaching job, which I mean, creating Coombs. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I'm not necessarily on board with giving him a head coaching job, but the special teams have been one of the best in the league. And you have seen former special teams coaches like John Harbaugh become great coaches uh i don't think that's going to happen with this guy but um yeah you can watch specialty i mean the, the lines punt a lot so there's a lot to watch out there um, <laughs> he has a, quite a resume built up oh yeah There's a lot of punts a lot, a lot, a lot of, of tape got a lot of tape oh, on, on brayden coombs oh yeah a lot of kick returns a lot of that so yeah he's establishing himself as a bright young coordinator and maybe he'll be the first lions coach ever to leave and become a head coach well, of significant. I mean, we had uh, Bill Belichick here, and we let him go. But neither here nor there. Yeah, I just – I'm not – I don't know. It's just really hard for me to understand why Lions fans are so adamant that we continue to compete. Because if – Stafford Stafford's x rays came back negative, but he's still I believe right now he's listed as questionable for week fifteen. Matthew Stafford should not step on the fucking field next week. He should not step on the fucking field the rest of the season. Like John Taffer says, shut it down. Shut it the fuck down. Shut it down. DeAndre Swift DeAndre Swift should not touch a football in an NFL game the rest of this season. Jeff Okuda should not get burned the rest of the the rest of this season. You should not go out there and get torched. Yeah. The, the only rookie, the only guy I don't care if he's out there or not is, is Jelani Tavai. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just fucking throw Jelani out there, one on 11, and just see what happens. <laughs> he looks like he's playing one on 11. <laughs> I mean, he, there was when De- Devontae Adams scored his first touchdown, you see Jelani Tavai trying to catch him, and – it's like somebody put him in slow motion. Just not, not, not good. He, I mean, in terms of 
the worst Bob Quinn draft pick. I still think T's Tabor is the worst just because Bob Quinn said he spent more time studying mm-hmm. T's film than any other prospect ever. And I mean, that goes back a decade. So I think that is the worst. And then, I mean, Tavai, he's got to be second, then Jared Davis third. Like, I think that's my pecking order of the three worst. And yeah, I, it just. So I just. And this guy drafted a long snapper. Bob Quinn drafted a long snapper. <laughs> like a six I think his last name was Landis, and they cut him. He didn't make the team, and he doesn't even make the three worst draft picks. You literally burned a draft pick on a long snapper just to keep Don Muehlbach, the GOAT, who's never going to leave this team. I, uh, Whoever the next GM is has – I mean, the big decision is what do they do with Stafford? I think we're all in agreement that you move on from him and hopefully recoup some assets and then draft a replacement. I mean, this draft's loaded with quarterbacks, and – I mean, maybe you take a shot to try to get Sam Darnold. Uh, I mean, that wouldn't be my first choice, but I think that if you first can... First choice, only choice, choice, best choice. Best choice, <laughs> yes. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, the next GM, I don't think rebuilds in the NFL necessarily take five years like they do in Major League Baseball. I mean, you see teams turn it around. I mean, look at Washington. They were second pick in the draft last year, and I know that they're playing in uh, the Make-A-Wish division over there in the NFC East, but <laughs> at the same time, I mean... They've, they've played some really damn good football, so I can't really take anything away from them. They got a good coach in there. They they don't have a quarterback, and they just built that – like, you built a strong D-line, and you're going to win anywhere. So with San Francisco last year, you see it with Washington this year, you've seen it with the Giants. Like, you just build the D-line, and you build the trenches. You get those MAGA trenches up there on the O-line. You just go from there. That's all you need. You just need You just need to dominate the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And just not have a moron for a coach. I completely agree with you. I think there's a reason why the second highest paid position in football behind quarterback is a defensive end or an edge rusher. They're, they're beginning to be designated as because they're, they are, they are the most important component of a defense. Because if you can't get pressure on a quarterback, it doesn't matter if you have prime Deion Sanders and prime Darrell Revis and all these great cornerbacks back there. They're still going to get beat because they have to cover for 10, 15 seconds. Yeah, yeah that's why the Lions' amoeba defense, as Matt Patricia coined it, is just – it never made any sense from day one. I mean, the emphasis in National Football League now with all these great passing quarterbacks who are also mobile uh, – you want to get to their – you want to give them the least amount of time to throw football as possible. But yet his defensive scheme is designed to just let the quarterback have as much time as he wants and hope that you have enough guys to cover. Like, I mean, there were times last year that they were playing nine defensive backs in, at the same time, which is just it, – it's remarkable. Uh, so that's why I'm a little nervous. I I know uh, we've kind of got over our three minutes of Lions talk, but it's such, I mean, there's so much to discuss with them. I mean, that's why I'm nervous about Robert Sala. I mean, I think he is going to be a head coach soon. I, I do think the Lions are going to hire him. But what makes me nervous personally is he has so much defensive line talent in San Francisco right now that it's kind of hard not to be a productive defensive coordinator when you can just send uh, Nick Bosa, you can send – all these guys just flying at the quarterback nonstop. And I mean, you're going to come here and you're going to have the corpse of Trey flowers. It's just, I, I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't know. 
Yeah, your really... your job's a lot easier when you can just go, "Hey, Nick, you see that quarterback over there? He watches CNN," and then just <laughs> let Nick go. <laughs> uh, Brett, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the piece Dave Burkett wrote a couple weeks ago in the Free Press. Did you did you happen to take a look at that? Was it regarding potential coaches or GM hires? Yeah, it was basically the gist of the article was a, a few of the candidates the Lions are looking at to replace Bob Quinn at general manager have major concerns at, at Rod Wood's involvement in the team. So for those who aren't aware of how football teams operate structurally, uh, the there's the owner, of course. They're the... They they write the they cut the checks. They're the they're the public face of the organization more often than not, and they're and you know they're the CEO. Uh, you have your GM, which basically is in charge of making all the football decisions. Uh, they decide what the roster looks like. They work with the coach to develop a, a draft board, a depth chart. They negotiate contracts with with free agents, and and they and they formulate trades and and do all that kind of stuff that f- football GMs should do. And then the president is the CFO. He's the money man. He goes, "Here's what we can do. Here's how much we have to do it. This is what we can do," and then. If your owner also owns the stadium that also owns the stadium that you play in, which more often than not they do, he's also in charge of like the off-season booking. So he's the one who answers the phone when Taylor Swift manager calls and says, "I want July seventh for for uh, for her tour," and you can and they and they book that. Uh, Rod Wood uh, apparently has been in meetings with Bob Quinn talking about roster decisions. He has spoken up about who the 53rd man on the roster should be, according to this piece by Dave Burkett in the Free Press. Uh, Coming from someone who is basically the family banker, his, his job for decades was to send Sheila Ford Hamp and the other Ford kids to send them beer money while they were at college. That was his job. His job was to elect, his job was to wire the Ford kids fucking beer money. And now he is talking about who the 53rd man on the Lions roster should be. That is a microcosm of what is wrong with this organization. Brad, I want to get your thoughts on it, but I feel like we're, we're pretty aligned on that. Yeah, it's kind of scary how we've kind of just molded brains here. But I think Rod Wood's involvement is the single most detrimental aspect of this organization right now. I think regardless of whatever Sheila Hamp's intentions are for uh, wanting to be a competitive team, I think having around that enigma, it's almost like having – I'm trying to compare it to something. It's almost like he's almost like the Dick Cheney of this situation, or he's kind of like uh, – Well, Dick Cheney, Dick Cheney was an asshole – and yeah. he was an unconscionable war criminal, but he was effective. <laughs> Rod Wood isn't effective. Not effective, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, it would be like having the guy who Dick Cheney shot in the face. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's a very good point. Yeah. Or it's, yeah. But, I mean, having him kind of have his pulse on this where he's even said himself he's not qualified to be a team president, um, I just it, – it's terrifying because – 
you just need to get the, the president of the team. That should be the, that's my main concern right now. I think you need to completely overhaul how the organization is kind of set up. I think you need to take a model from the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, I think Chris Illich, however bad he started off his tenure as an owner, he's completely done a 180. And I love the direction of both of his franchises. And what he did perfectly, Steve Eisenman wanted to come home. He's like, hey, you're the de facto owner, your president, your GM, you are, you do whatever you want. That's what the Fords need to do. They just need to sit back and say, hey, the Lions are going to make me X hundred million dollars a year. Um, and then you go get a figurehead to run this franchise. I don't care if it's uh, Tony Dungy who has Detroit ties. Uh, I don't care if it's Ozzie Newsome, who is one of the most respected NFL minds of all time. You need to go out and you need to get that figurehead for the franchise. Let them make whatever decisions they deem necessary in terms of whoever the GM is, the structure of the organization, who reports to who, and then let that just kind of flow down because the Lions have the biggest culture problem. And like as you just said, having Rod Wood have his finger on the pulse of all these critical decisions is just a microcosm of their existence. It's, it's just, um, it's, I, I don't really have anything positive to say about Rod Wood. Uh, he did a great job with the Henry Ford Museum. I love going there. Um, <laughs> the IMAX screen is pretty dope. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Oh, it's amazing. Like, I love going there. I mean, they, he was doing such a great job there. I wish they didn't take him away. Yeah, but, the, yeah I mean, the old-timey baseball game was pretty fun. I kind of wish they sold beer there, but there are a lot of kids around, so I can, I can understand why they don't. I, I just – it I, that that broquette piece shook me to my core because it just it made me realize that nothing's going to change under Sheila Fordham not Sheila Hamp Ford whatever the fuck however you order her last names I don't fucking care I because you know, I remember when Martha took ownership of the team from uh, which kid, which son took it over. It was Bill, right? After after Clay Ford died, it was Bill, right? Who took no, it over? No, went right to it went right to Martha. No, I Bill thought his son. Exiled. I thought his son was. Ford, I thought. I thought his son ran it before Martha took it over. No, they exiled him because he was working in cohorts with William. So the second that the old man kicked the bucket, they sent. Uh, Bill back to the the motor uh, the car company. Okay, and he has not been allowed any football decisions. Okay, so I remember whatever. However, the ownership transition took place, but I remember a story coming out in the free press when Martha took over, and she basically walked through Allen Park, it pointed in people and said, "You're fired." She yeah. was like, you're fired, you're fired, you can stay, you're fired, you can stay. It was like that – it was described in the free press at least. That should have been my first red flag, but I was like 14, so I didn't know any better. It was like that scene in Entourage when Ari came back to his old agency and started fight and started shooting people with a paintball gun. <laughs> All time. <laughs> and I was like, fuck yeah, this is great. Finally, some change. And then nothing. So, you know, I really don't have any as long as long as Rod Wood is is in the organization, I don't have any hope for the I don't have any hope for the franchise. Because they're not gonna hire a top quality GM because a top quality GM isn't gonna want to put up with some asshole family banker 
giving their input on roster decisions. Nope. I, I would you? No, fuck no. No. Like, you know what you like, let's say you're one of us is looking for a job and you're going on Glassdoor and you see that this company, Hey, they've got this beautiful opening of a position. They're going to pay you all sorts of money, but you see that there's a one-star review. You see that the owner of the company is just a complete mentally unstable uh, loser. Uh, you see that there's a toxic environment and then you could say, Hey, I can go to this other company down the street, get paid a little bit less. Uh, maybe not be as glamorous, but five-star review, beautiful culture, great benefits, no stress. You get to work from home. You're taking that job. You're not going to go deal. What, who's, who wants to deal with this lion's nonsense? Nobody I, should. I came up with a great analogy while you were talking about, about this, Brett. It's like, look at the people who choose to work for the White House right now. In the last four years, look at the people who have been working in the White House and have taken jobs in the White House. Do you want any of those people to to be a part of of civilized, quote-unquote, society after? No. So why would anyone who 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 is not going to be some kind of bullshit Kool-Aid drinker acolyte Take a position where some asshole is gonna be is gonna be going uh actually all the time. Fuck that. I've quit jobs over much less, much less. And these jobs are all are all every time someone takes a new job, they're staking their reputation in the NFL. So if you go to Detroit and you fail. And it's, and it's not even, and it's because some asshole was overstepping and overruled you and ownership took his word over yours. Guess what? You're now at the back of the queue for the next job. Bob Quinn's not getting hired anytime soon. Never. Now you might never have another job. Bob, I wouldn't say that. The NFL is... A lot of NFL owners are fucking stupid and they'll give Bob Quinn another job somewhere just because he had another, just because he had a GM job. But that's the, that's kind of where I'm at is if, if Rod Wood isn't gone or they don't address the situation, look, if Rod, if they want to keep Rod Wood and have him and have him talk to Kenny Chesney's manager or Taylor Swift's manager or Beyonce's manager and book dates in the off season for them to come through Ford field. I'm fine with that. I don't give a shit. That doesn't affect my life. That doesn't, that doesn't affect the on field product of Detroit Lions. In fact, it makes my life better because if we ever get to go to fucking concerts again, I get to go to Ford field and see Kenny Chesney or Taylor Swift or Beyonce. Side note, if you ever get a chance to go see Kenny Chesney, Go, he puts on a great fucking show, even if country's not exactly your bag. It's still a fun time. But if he's going to continue to be involved in the day-to-day operations of the football team, when basically no other president does that, and the presidents who do were at one point GMs themselves, so they actually could provide valuable input, then the lines are never going to be successful. 
That's that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, the Lions have fucking blackpilled me, is basically what I'm trying to say. And I actually have a name who I would, I would like for them to go after, which I think is realistic. But it's also going to be, it's not going to happen just based on some of the ties. But back when they were kind of looking for their next GM before they settled on Bob Quinn, they wanted to hire a young up and rising man named Elliot Wolf. Uh, his father, Ron Wolf, built the 90s Packers and was also an integral part of that early 2000s uh, Packers organization. Um, Elliot Wolf, he's 37 years old. He was working for the Browns last year. He kind of helped rebuild that franchise in a consulting role. But the one holdup is he's currently working for the New England Patriots. Um, he does have ties to Detroit where his father used to work here. He was our number one choice back in 2016. Uh, before, we, like I said, before we settled on Bob Quinn, I think that you want to get somebody who's been around winning. I think that you need to get somebody from one of these historic franchises like Green Bay, like Pittsburgh. Uh, I think that those are the two franchises you should really be looking at uh, to kind of make, and they're both Midwestern towns. So they, they have an idea of kind of uh, the fan base and uh, what a winning organization looks like without necessarily being a free agent destination. So, I mean, that's, that's definitely one of the names top of my list. Now, does, does Odell Bradham Jr. know what a good GM in the NFL looks like? No. Um, does Odell Bradham Jr. know what a good coach in the NFL looks like? No. But I do know what a good organization looks like. And um, these, I think that the Lions need to start looking at not necessarily replicating them, but taking some cues. And as it was said in the office by Michael Scott, they need to start poaching their people. No, you're absolutely right. They need to start. And they tried to do that, right? They tried to take from New England. But the calculus is off in the fact that what made New England successful was, is, and will be Bill Belichick. Mm -hmm. Nobody else makes the only people are the only football people who exist in New England outside of Belichick's assistants that have any real weight on what the team does is Robert Kraft. Yeah. It's Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, his assistants, 50 feet of shit, and like the rest of the front office. Yeah, the, the, I mean, that, that kind of set up in New England, it's, it's Haley's Comet. Like, you get it once every 75 or so years, and that's, that's what they got. I mean, it, like you said, I mean, you can't really take anything from New England and try to bring it anywhere else and try to regrow it. Uh, the soil is not the same here as it is in New England. The atmosphere is a little different. So if you try to grow whatever they have in New England, it's, it's just not going to work. But you've seen other – yeah, I just, I'm just very concerned about that, how everything is going to go. Speaking of being concerned about how things are going to go, uh, let's talk about MSU football. So I have a theory, and you guys can confirm it, deny it, whatever you, you know, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Uh, I believe that Jay Johnson has 40 to 50 scripted plays. And those 40 to 50 scripted plays are pretty solid. Yep. Once he runs out of those 40 to 50 scripted plays, he shits his pants and he doesn't know what to do. 
because I don't know how else you can explain that performance on Saturday without, without coming to that conclusion. I just, I don't get it. I don't get how the offense could look so efficient, move, move with such a rhythm, you know, everything, everything that MSU's offense was doing was effective. They were being aggressive. They were passing on first down. They were taking shots with Peyton Thorne, who that was his knock was his arm falls off. If he, if he tries to throw it farther than 20 yards, he threw a couple great bombs in that first half. And then in the second half, Jay Johnson ran out of plays and went, uh, fuck, uh, jet sweep. <laughs> he, it's like, it's like he ran out of plays, couldn't like panicked and then found Dave Warner's playbook and was like, what the fuck is this? Fuck it. Opened it up and started calling from that. It was shockingly bad. I, I couldn't. That's the only that's that's the only reasonable explanation I have for that second half for MSU. It's not a confidence issue because they obviously trust Peyton Thorne a lot more than they trust Rocky. And rightfully so. Yeah. It, rightfully rightfully so. That I want to talk about this though. That Trayvon that Trayvon Morgan touchdown, even though it was pretty cool, was fuck it was a was a dumb fucking throw. It was a dump throw. He threw it in triple coverage. It was a dumb fucking throw. It was a street result. It got a six, whatever. But that was a dumb fucking decision. Absolutely. And that was the best MSU catch since probably Donnie Corley against uh, Notre Dame a few years ago. (laughs) I mean, not trying to like dig up old skeletons, but that's what it reminded me of. And just like one of those, you're like, oh, wow. That was impressive. But yeah, like you said, dumb throw. And Jay Johnson has been kind of, I mean, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde here. I mean, he'll, he'll call a great game for a few drives, and he'll be like, okay, now we got the, this thing really moving. Like, at the end of the, the first half, we're, we're all uh, kind of discussing, like, on the timeline and whatnot, that um, look at this team, like, who is this offense? Like, what do we got going here? Then you come out in the second half, and it's just a completely different uh, situation. It's just it – was, it, was, it was sad to watch because – yeah. Honestly, we should have won that game. We had them right. Yeah, we had our foot on their neck, and Jay Johnson went to go pee in the woods and let the deer get away. So, yeah, I just couldn't. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't comprehend. Yeah, I couldn't comprehend what happened. It was. I, it was like playing your. I mean, okay, I'm just gonna say second quarter counts. Playing your A game, <clears throat> and then. Just complete. It's like uh, water in the water boy when they're when they're down at halftime, and Coach Klein's just like, "Anybody got any ideas?" That's what Jay Johnson did, because Penn State. I don't. I think James Franklin's a fucking horrible coach, but they made the adjustments. They did. Like, and yeah, part of it was Jay Johnson shitting shitting his pants all over the field, but Penn State made adjustments. They blitzed a lot more. They got to Thorn a lot more. But it was just so shockingly disappointing to see nothing happening, like, to to fix that. I don't know how many first downs they got in the second half. Like, it just – it seemed like Penn State scored that touchdown to make it a, a three-point game. And then I think you just kind of knew, like, uh-oh, this – you know, they kicked the field goal, and you're like, sure. But, man, I think, I think scoring a touchdown on that drive really might have kept things rolling a little bit longer. 
I just don't. Yeah. And it, it just, it, it felt like I was watching a Dave Warner offense. I mean, the, the play calling was predictable. It was stale. Uh, it, the plays didn't work in modern football and it was kind of like the old D'Antonio philosophy where it was like, if our offense scores great, but if not, like, we'll just let the defense handle it. Yeah. And it just, it, it, it failed just like it failed during the last couple of years of D'Antonio's tenure. It, it, it failed on Saturday. And that's not because the defense didn't try. They were fucking gassed. I mean, the same Ohio State was only a blowout because the defense was fucking gassed. Mm-hmm. They only yeah. got three play. They only got four plays of rest. <laughs> and one of the remarkable things that I've noticed that I want to give the staff uh, credit for is that they've actually been able to recruit some offensive talent. Just because you look at what Michigan State football was the past three, four years, even where this team. They resorted back. They they went back to almost a 1920s offense where they wouldn't even throw the ball. Odd, uh, and to be able to get offensive linemen in here, odd, uh, a running back recruit uh, who hopefully stays with us as well as other players. Wide he, he's gone. I just want to. Um, he's I, gone. I know. I'm, I'm just trying to keep some hope alive. Um, but yes, he's likely Don't gone. Yeah, here I am. I'm playing the Chris Burke role, saying how the Lions can make the playoffs with, uh, <laughs> but in terms of Audric staying with Michigan State, no. But um, yeah, I mean, just the fact that they've been able to go from that kind of perception of Michigan State not being able to move the football to getting guys that, who want to come here for the future and be a part of hopefully a revitalized offense. Now, I I don't think we're going to get a new OC next year. I think it's just you because of the, the off season, kind of everything, the situation revolving around the program and not having any practices. I do think Jay Johnson gets uh, to run it back next year, um, which I mean, it is what it is, but um, I think that uh, hopefully the year after he, Jay Johnson either proves himself or you get a new guy in here. But I think that Mel Tucker from based on what we've heard from our, uh, our sources is, uh, really emphasizing that if coaches don't recruit, they're gone. So they'll, they'll be putting their own little coaching transfer portal themselves. So that's what it's going to come down to. You get your guys in here, you get the four stars, hopefully five stars. You're going to keep your job. If not, you're gone. So, and, and I don't know how I don't, the special teams this year has been unbelievably atrocious. I mean, yep. they, they don't even look like they're, they're playing – they look like they're playing Aussie rules football, honestly. Like, that's what they look like. They – I don't know how to describe it otherwise. It's like going into – it's like going into Brazil and speaking Spanish. Like, they're they're on a completely different wavelength than the rest of the team. And they didn't look like that last year. The only consistent part of the offense this year, of the special teams this year, has been Matt Coughlin. Mm-hmm. And I need to come up. We need to come up with a name for him and his ginger mullet. I just haven't. I haven't gotten it right. But I want it. I want it to be alliterated. So maybe before we move on and talk about Maryland, we can we can workshop this right now. Um, I have the 
I wanted to include mullet and I want it to alliterate. And I want it to have something to do with him being ginger. Mm. The maroon, the maroon mullet magnet. That's what I got so far. That's got some potential. I like that one. Triple M. I'm not very creative, so there's there's Red Rocket, obviously. I was gonna say Red Rocket, but I think there's uh there's a movie there's a movie about I have to look it up. I just came into my head about like the the Philadelphia blah 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 kicking sensation. Uh field goal kicking sensation or whatever. Uh let's see. The Phil this is great radio. Uh the oh. Philadelphia <laughs> kicking sensation. I know it's a Disney movie. Invincible. No, it's not. It's <laughs> okay. the The garbage picking, field goal kicking, Philadelphia phenomenon. Oh yeah. Damn uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. We have garbage picking. All right, I'll I'll work on it later. But that's that's something we'll workshop that. But I think that works. Sounds um, good. So before we before we talk about Maryland, we obviously have to bring it up. It's not breaking news when you listen to this, but it's it'll be breaking news. It's breaking news to us. Uh, Shakur Brown just declared for the NFL draft. Uh, hmm. Smart move by him, probably. Um, he's been he's been one of the we talk we've talked a lot about bright spots today. Uh, he's been a bright spot on this team, and you know I'm never gonna I'm never gonna be mad at a kid for going, Hey, like I would like to start making money now. <laughs> so yeah, the best of luck. Uh, good I luck mean, to Shaq. Played, yeah. I mean, he played himself into probably a second day draft pick, which is yeah. amazing. And that's, I mean, that's great for Michigan. That's great for Shaq as well as it's great for Michigan state as we keep our draft streak alive. Um, I mean, you, you get a guy that, that can pick off the ball like that and has ball skills. Those are obviously a premium in today's NFL. Um, I mean, as I mean, we've got Lucas on the pod, and they, he has probably the best cornerback in the world on his uh, LA Rams team with Jalen Ramsey. I mean, but you see the difference between a guy who can turn his head around and locate the ball versus a guy that can't. Yeah, um, Jeff Akuda. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I I agree with you. Uh, I'm I'm you know very happy for very happy for. Sh- for Shaq. Uh, I wish him luck. Uh, and you know, let's, you know, next guy up, you know, I assume we won't be playing this Saturday or in any future games, MSU might schedule. Uh, this came out today too. Uh, with bull, a lot of bulls have been canceled this year. Um, it seems like the only bowls that are actually going to happen this year are the New Year's Six. So the NCAA is essentially just telling teams, like, just schedule a team, figure it out. <laughs> so that'll be interesting to see going forward, the kind of matchups we see. Um, if if BYU, if Coastal Carolina doesn't make a New Year's Six, I'd love to see a BYU-Coastal rematch. Uh, I, think yeah. that'd be, I think that'd be fun. 
So we'll see. We'll see what happens. We we just need to lay off Mormon Twitter if they lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If if BYU loses again, oh boy, this is just a word of warning. Do not mess with Mormon Twitter. No. <laughs> Um, they, just, they claimed one of our own. Yeah. Uh, F, <laughs> one of our F, most powerful. Yeah. F, F for Sponge in the chat. F, yeah. Uh, they truly are God's chosen people, apparently. Uh, Joseph Smith, you were right. Whatever was in those tablets was the New Testament of Jesus Christ. Uh, Native Americans were white and did live in North. Jesus did come to North America. You're 100% right about everything. Please don't suspend our accounts. Uh, you guys can have as many wives as you want. I don't give a yes. fuck. What happens in your bedroom is big. Big love is a good is a great show. Yeah, sister people. wives entertaining reality show. Uh, just please, please don't suspend my account. But what's wrong with caffeine? I, I mean, that's the one thing that the Mormons need to fix up here. If they're students, they should be allowed to drink. The newer, coffee. the newer generation, the newer generation's a little more lenient on the caffeine thing. Okay. <laughs> um, BYU, like I, BYU, a couple years ago, they got Coke on their campuses. So, oh, like, no, Coca-Cola? yes, Coke. Yeah, no, Brett. Coke they don't allow. Them. They don't allow caffeine, but you can just get Coke on demand at BYU. Listen, uh, it's the year of twenty twenty. <laughs> Who knows? Who the fuck knows? <laughs> Who the fuck knows? I mean, it could uh, be anything. If if BYU just had cocaine on demand, Zanjo Zanjo oh. would have moved to Utah already. <laughs> You'd never hear from him again. <laughs> Zanjo Zanjo would be like the father in the college dropout skits. He'd have like eighteen degrees. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about Maryland. Um, pretty interesting. I thought it would be a crossover week, but whatever. I, the, the whole champions week thing is just more proof to me that, that it just confirms my conspiracy theory, at least in my mind, that the big 10 canceled prematurely because they thought the other conferences would follow their lead and cancel. Nope. And when they didn't, Ohio state was like, you better get us in the fucking playoff, motherfuckers. Figure it out. And they came back with this schedule, this eight-game schedule that was like, well, just if you play less than six, you know, you were compliant with COVID, so you don't deserve to be in the championship game. And then when they found out, it was like, oh, shit, like the teams who are responsible are going to get fucked over by this too. Uh, fuck it. Just Ohio State's in. Fuck it. So now we have a Champions Week matchup against Maryland, a game that was canceled uh, a few weeks ago. So that'll be interesting. Um, the Looks only like- the only thing that's interesting to me about this game is whether or not Tucker is going to be a man of his word and bust out the script states. Oh, on the helmet. That's really the only that's really the only to. thing. That's really the only thing I give a shit about this game. We're gonna lose. We're just gonna live tweet script state helmets look cool and then <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's gonna got, I'm, got script. Yeah, I'm going to a I have a family Christmas thing Saturday, so I'm I just might gonna be able to do it. So my live my one live tweet is gonna be the script state helmets look look okay. Um 
But I'm of the mind, unless I, until I see them in person, I'm, I'm a big believer that the script state should be exclusive to basketball. That's, that's just me. You know, I think as much as I, as much as I railed against the block S, I, I actually didn't think it looked that bad. But if if they put the block S on basketball, on the basketball uniform, it would look like shit. Yeah. So I, I think there are just things like if you put gruff Sparty on like the basketball shorts, it would look fucking weird. They should do it for hockey. Shout out Ooh, to Jeremy. Yes. Sounds about white. Big old, big old gruff Sparty right at the set. Brett. Fuck yes. yeah, man. I might have to right below it. Yeah. We're gonna have to check the um to Michigan. You know State what? Hockey. I might have to I might have to mock that up. I'll figure it out. I would buy one. Maryland's currently a one and a half point favorite, so it's essentially a pick 'em if you get rid of the home advantage. Opened up at five. Are we hmm. oh wow. Are are they coming to us or are we going to that? At Maryland. Okay. We're going there. Hmm. Um, I'm not nearly as interested in this game as I am the Michigan-Iowa game just because I think it's going to be fucking hilarious. Yeah, Michigan's a 14-point underdog. It I think su- they're going to get their shit pushed in. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me to, to, have, to see Michigan do another. Uh, our COVID numbers are too high. Well, they practiced on Saturday. They practiced on Sunday. That is Sunday, so right. – why Why say that? Do not say that because – every PR firm is just so bad. Oh does it, Michigan has, like, one of the best PR schools in the country, like, literally. Like, they, like it's, like, Michigan, and then I think one of the L.A. schools, and then it's, like, everyone else. And I don't know how the fuck you can be so bad. <laughs> why say that? <laughs> This is so stupid. Yeah, right. Michigan State is – both teams, their records are literally there against the spread record. So this is going to be a weird game to predict. Yeah, like, I just – I don't – I guess it just depends on, like – I hmm. guess it just depends on if Jay Johnson can, like, script more than 50 plays. Just like, open up the playbook. Show, show us what you got. Is. If you don't have your full playbook installed by now, then I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Uh, so I, I really don't have a good feel on this game. I don't know what's going to happen. I, Maryland's been really up and down too. Uh, MSU like Maryland's just a weird ass team. Yeah, there there are times where Maryland looks like looks like they don't want to be there and at least I can't say that about Michigan State. Um at least at least Michigan State has played hard in every game they played even even the blowouts against Ohio State and Iowa. Yeah. So it you know I can't I can't fault. So we'll see we'll see I guess. I I don't really have you know I can't I can't predict shit for this game. Um, but I, I think Tagula, Tagovailoa might not play. Okay. That'll be, in, that'll be interesting. He, he uh, missed the Rutgers game, but who knows what's going to happen for – I know it's supposed to be, what, a 21-day quarantine? Correct. So that would put him at, not at missing the MSU game, which I think MSU would win that game pretty decently. But I've been way wrong with this team so, so far. I would like a win. I'd like a win. <laughs> He captain obvious over here, but yeah, I would like to see Michigan State fucking win their last game of the year. 
Yeah, I don't want it to be an audition. Like, I do not like Jay Johnson. I cannot fucking stand him. I want it to be like an audition. Like, okay, show us fans. I love Tucker. I'm I'm all in on him. But Jay Johnson, show me what you got. And I don't, like I said, like Brett said, they're not going to fire him, especially, you know, with a pandemic going on. You have to pay him that money for, you have to pay him like three, four years worth of money. It's not a good look considering all the budget cuts. I mean, you know, Auburn, but I guess yeah. that doesn't stop Auburn, you know, from yeah. on 20 million. Auburn got hammered for that over the weekend. Yeah, that's uh, a bad look. Can we talk about that for a second? Because that interests me. Mark Malzone. Yeah. Uh, Gus Malzahn, if you're listening, East Lansing's pretty nice. I mean, I know you don't get the down south weather an SEC guy your entire life, but, you know. Come on, man. It, it could be up? an audition to get another head coaching gig somewhere. Yeah, you're going to need to be a coordinator somewhere. Like, what What are you going to do? Hold Saban's, hold Saban's clipboard for six months like everyone else who gets fired in the SEC does? <laughs> no, man, fuck that. Come north, you know, cross the Mason-Dixon. Come to East Lansing and, you know, let's just see. Let's see what you can do with Champ Fay. Just hang out for a couple years. Have yeah. some, some fun. Just Power hang out. Around. You'll love Crunchies, man. You'll fucking love Crunchies. <laughs> oh, yeah. It fucking, it fucking rules. Uh, we, have, we even have good barbecue. We were talking about this earlier. Meat, meat mm. fucking rules. Uh, oh, meat, God. Meat, please sponsor the pod. <laughs> uh, oh, oh. Saddleback. Saddleback's all right. Uh, the Wu Tang wings are pretty good. I'm not a big fan of their of their of their meat. I think their brisket's a little dry. I think they overdo it. That's, That's not helping us get a pod sponsorship. What we got? Uh, <laughs> no, we're East going for meats. Fry. I mean, oh yeah, East Side Fish Fry. Fuck yeah. Uh, and bring Bo Nix with you. Okay, I won't shut up. <laughs> I'm good. Larry David, you know. I'm good, love. Hey, Enjoy. Oh, if you're listening, I, D- I didn't DM you. I told you to DM me. So, <laughs> Bo, let's make some, make some combo. Let's get you to East Lansing. We All love right. a good five-star recruit. All right. I'm going to mute Brett. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's, let, let's take a break. Let's hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll talk about MSU basketball. Listen up, fellas, 2020 sucked. It's almost the new year, which means new balls with our sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and helping 2 million men all over the world get rid of hair on their balls. If you let yourself go in 2020 while in quarantine, Manscaped is here for you to reboot and stay clean and shaved in 2021. 2020 fucking sucked. I hated it so much. The only good thing that came out of this godforsaken year was this podcast. And Manscaped is here to give you a fresh start in 2021 with their Perfect Package 3.0 that has all of the right tools for the job. Come out of quarantine with clean balls thanks to the Lawnmower 3.0. This waterproof and skin safe trimmer will reduce nicks to your two best friends. The third generation trimmer even has a light to give you the glow up you need in 2021. It's also time to freshen up down there this year. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? And for on-the-go freshness, you'll love the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. 2020 was awful. 
So make sure your boys are refreshed and ready for new beginnings in 2021. Manscaped even threw in their shed travel bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. Speaking of comfort, the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs are also included and are hands down the best underwear that you will ever wear. A guy with hairy balls is like the year 2020. Don't be that guy. Get 20% off and free shipping with code BACON at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BACON. Happy New Year to your balls. All right. Thank you to Manscaped. Uh, 20% off, free shipping with code BACON. So let's talk about MSU basketball for a minute. I... DK had a really good tweet. Uh, David Klein, uh, co-host of co-host of uh, Spartan, Hoops. Spartan Hoops. Yeah, I didn't know if they rebranded the pod. I know they called it something different before, but if it's okay, so co-host oh. of the Spartan Hoops podcast had a had a great tweet that uh, that I think that I think I should share. Um, it was essentially his thoughts about the starting lineup. Uh, the starting lineup going forward should be should be Rocket Watts, Gabe Brown, Aaron Henry. Uh, Malik Hall and Joey Hauser. Hmm. Uh, and I wholeheartedly agree with him. There's only one. There's really only one. There's only one center in the Big Ten who's going to make you pay for have for playing a small ball lineup. Maybe two. I don't know if uh, Gay Incest Porn and Forest Hunter Dickinson is going to is is all that he's cracked up to be necessarily but that's that's another conversation for another time. Uh Lucas you're muted. Uh I'm an idiot. I'm just going to shut up. <laughs> but you know, I I was really once Tom kind of tightened the rotation in the second half, they looked a lot better. Um and you know, in the Duke game, well where they had a tight rotation just out of necessity, just because it was Duke, they looked a lot better. So I think the past few games have really been an audition for for these guys to for these guys to show what to kind of earn minutes in Big Ten play going forward. But I think I think that starting lineup TK put forward, I think that's I think that's probably our best bet going forward. I want to get your guys' thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. I think that DK also raised the point that regardless of kind of who you play in that front court, the defense is not going to be up to MSU standards just because they don't have that guy that can, not yet, until Mahdi can kind of evolve into that rim protector and Marcus Bingham puts on another 80 pounds. Um, until then, I don't think that those guys are going to be the answer. So I like what Malik Hall can offer in terms of kind of stretching the floor like, floor like Hauser does. A very very underrated passer so I think that that would be the best lineup we can run out right now uh, kind of like I mean 15 Thomas get there he's unplayable like Ugh. I mean Fo- Foster at least has a role where he can come in and play seven eight minutes shoot a couple threes get the ball up the court quickly but Thomas get there he's useless I mean he's just a body it just it, it, you can't he's unplayable it, you better hope James isn't listening no, Tom, no I'm <laughs> I'm just I'm willing to say it. Thomas Kithier is a liability to this basketball yeah. team. Oh, absolutely. Every minute he's in, the team is worse off because of it. Um There was one game where he was the only player in minus. I forget which game it was. That's bad research on my end, but 
it might have been a DK tweet like saying that Kithier was the only person with minus in the in a plus minus. It, it might have been uh, it wasn't the Duke game, but um, yeah, I, I my heart kind of sinks when he's listed as a starter. And I, I'm not trying to be a dick, but <laughs> it's just it's just when you see Thomas Kithier, you're like, oh fucking a. Yeah, it's Austin Thornton. Three quick fouls, and then the team's down ten points or five points, and they're in trouble already. Yeah, it's it's Austin Thornton levels of bad. It's Russell Bird. It. I mean, we've seen this before, oh, where you get these guys that are supposed to be players for this basketball team, and they come in and they just they can't play, and they they get worse as they progress. Like you're in your third year under Tom Izzo, you should be improving like Aaron you, Henry has. You should be an NBA level talent. Yes, like Aaron Henry. He's the prime example. You've seen it with Denzel Valentine. You've seen it with uh, Adrian Payne. You've seen it dozens of times with these guys where they look like they cannot play basketball. And then by that year year three, they're working themselves into an NBA. Are they going to stay or are they going to leave? And Thomas Kithier is – I wouldn't put pick him up at my IM team at Michigan State. That's, that's how bad he's been. I wouldn't go – but even with – even with teams who, who, you know, we've kind of always thought have been more his have been more his speed, like the Mac teams, the Horizon League teams. He has not played well. He he has not he has not looked good. He looks lost. Uh, Western Michigan basically bullied him and bullied him to a pulp. I mean <laughs> that was they, so embarrassing. They manhandled Thomas Western Michigan manhandled Thomas Kithier. And like Thank God they didn't play Virginia this week because I can't even oh. imagine what Virginia would have done to him. That game would have been a slow push of a shoe onto the groin. That would have that would have been such a shitty game to watch, even if they won. Yeah, so I, hate I Virginia. So I, I hope that game never gets played. I fucking hate watching Virginia basketball. I think it is an affront to to modern college basketball. Um, I think it's racist. Uh, just. I, I know that there are black players on Virginia's team, but I think the way they play basketball is racist. <laughs> I'm not I'm not even talking about the players or Tony Bennett. I'm not saying Tony Bennett is a racist. I'm saying the style of basketball that they play is institutionally racist. I still would have been I still have a what if of if we played them in the national title game though. I would have even if we had won, I would have blown my brains out. I would not I would have not handled that well. It would have been like fifty three to forty nine. It would have been something so fucking bad. At least when we lost to Texas Tech, I got hammered and went to a bar and almost got kicked out because I kept requesting Marvin's room. Uh if if we had played Virginia in the national title game, I would have I don't know what would have happened. I think I would have shit I would have farted out my heart. I, w- I would have shit. I would have shit a literal brick. But yeah, I don't. I don't know what the answer is at five because any of the options we have at five right now are going to get eaten alive by Luca Garza. And if Luca Garza is the barometer, then I th- I truly think we're better off just having five great perimeter defenders out there, letting Luca eat, and just making sure nobody else gets shot up. Because I don't. I think Julius Marble probably has the highest upside of the fives on the roster right now. Like Julius Marble can be the best immediate product for Michigan state. 
I take that back. I think Mahdi actually has the highest upside. Uh, but Julius Marbles probably has the – I'm trying to explain it. Like, Julius Marble probably has, like, the – okay, I got it. Julius Marble is like an instant transfer from Venmo, right? Like, you get it right away, but you're going to lose a little bit of it. <laughs> uh, Mahdi Sissoko is, like, just the straight-up old-fashioned transfer where it's going to take a while, but you're going to get – you're going to get the full amount. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, even, even though I think that Julius Marble is still going to get eaten alive by Luca, Marcus Bingham is absolutely going to get eaten alive by Luca. He's already gotten eaten alive by Luca. I'm not looking forward to that game at all. Uh, I'm not going to watch. I don't know if I want to watch it. 15, 15 shouldn't even try. Uh, watch him be the guy that shuts down Garza. <laughs> no, he's got five hard fouls. And I know he's from yep, Clarkston. He's from the Macomb Clarkson area. Like, I mean, you just get those five hard fouls. You play, you go in like you're about to play, you're about to play hockey and just open ice hits, whatever you need to do. Let Garza get his and play lockdown defense on everybody else. Yeah, because if you. Garza has a bad night. If you, even if, even if Garza has a great night, I think you'd be better off just double teaming Bo Bohannon or Wisecamp. Yeah. Then you would be trying to double or triple team Luca. I truly do. I mean, you're better off just putting whoever you're going to put at the five on the, on one of the blocks and stopping the baseline drive. That's your only, that's your only shot against Iowa. I think. Mm -hmm. Cause if you, because if you're going to try to shut down Luca at the expense of leaving Bohannon or Wisecamp or even Connor McCaffrey open at the three-point line, you're going to lose because three points is greater than two. So just fucking let Luca drop 50 and just see what happens. Pray I, that because, rocket goes off for 25. Yeah, you got to pray. You got to pray that Hauser that Hauser's on fire. You got to and just make sure you get the ball in Hauser's hands. And Rocket's hands and Aaron Henry's hands. Make sure Gabe Brown gets to the corner. You just gotta. Anytime they shoot, I know what you're gonna say, Brett. But <laughs> and no, he. I mean, he's play, I mean, he plays well against lesser competition. I just need to see it against a Big Ten team that's not Rutgers. That's fair, but it, you just need to you need to get your shooters open when when you have the ball in your hands and you got to make sure that anybody not named Luca Garza doesn't have an inch. To, you don't give an inch to anyone not named Luca Garza when you're on defense. That's got to be the strategy going forward. Uh, as far as as far as Michigan and Hunter Dickinson goes, I think Marble could probably handle Hulk, Hunter Dickinson pretty pretty handedly. Uh, Fifteen could. Okay, I wouldn't go there. <laughs> Please, just see the okay. meltdown. <laughs> I have I have a really hot take regarding our friends down the road in Ann Arbor. Um, what I think that program, my my crystal ball or crystal bacon into the future of Michigan basketball, I see them morphing into the Big Ten's version of Washington, where they get their couple of five star recruits, top ten guys like Markel Fultz. You get Isaiah Stewart, and you get a bunch of these transfer kids that didn't really work out their other programs or just were average there. They come here and you just have a team that goes 20 and 12 every year. You get that seven to nine seed and you just get bounced, but you keep putting guys in the NBA 
that that's kind of how I see Michigan going. Like Jawan Howard can't coach. I don't know if you guys have watched Michigan basketball. I've watched him against I, I last year. I was a little alarmed at some of his uh, inability to draw plays out of the huddle in late game situations. And I've seen it again this year where even against Oakland, I mean, you're trying to get into um, a position to make a, uh, a shot at the end of the half to win the game. And I mean, you're, you're inbounding the ball across the court with one second left. So you don't even have any time. It's just, that, I, he's, he's bad. That he's Oakland, a bad coach. That Oakland game was, that Oakland game was a, was a clinic in how to coach poorly. I mean, I literally called what the final play was going to be before it happened. I, I tweeted it. I, he called a timeout to draw up a play. I was like, what play could you possibly draw up right now? You're going to hold the, you're going to tell him to hold the ball until the last, you're going to tell Zeb or whoever the fuck was holding the ball. Shondry Brown, I think was the point guard in that, whatever. You're going to hold the ball until the last possible second. And then you're going to feed it to Hunter. It's like you knew that was coming. Yeah. Even Chrysler Arena's shitty DJ could know that was coming. Uh, and one thing that bugs me is that people were were going ape shit over um, him yelling at Livers, them kind of having a battle in one of the. I think it was it the Oakland game. Yeah, that that was and the same. They were like, was- "Oh my god, look at Juwan coaching these guys up." I'm like. Fucking Izzo did that, and you just happened to see his fist, and you thought he's going to punch a kid when this when Aaron Henry cr- clearly loves playing for him. That that hypocrisy just drove me insane because we still have those dipshits on on Michigan Twitter and co- not Michigan Twitter, college basketball Twitter talking about it. So I, I had to bring that up because it's been driving me nuts. Yeah, you know? no, I agree, and I mean that Michigan team—they're not good. Like I, I know that what the record you are, what your record is, but. That team is not good, and I know the last, I think, eight or nine games in their schedule, I mean, you play Michigan State, you've got Iowa, you've got, you've got a lot of – you've got Wisconsin, Ohio State. Like, they, they – the last eight games of their schedule are, is brutal. So, yeah. this team is going to – they're going to struggle to make the tournament. Whatever I mean, the tournament is, I don't even know what the win requirement is anymore. I think it – I heard somewhere is like 13. I, who knows? So, uh, MSU doesn't play again until Sunday. Uh, they open up league play against Wisconsin. It didn't look like they got Central. There's, well, they, there's a COVID issue, I think, with Central. <laughs> there's a super spreader on their team. It's a good thing. Super that we, spreader, yeah. Brad, have you checked your DMs? Brad, have you checked your DMs recently? Oh, yeah. I checked my DMs. Okay. Uh, I the... But I, I don't know. I, I was going to talk about that, actually, uh, the fact that they were – uh, gonna schedule central if that doesn't look like that's happening which i i don't think it is i feel like they would have they would have announced it by now so msu is gonna have a whole week off hopefully Izzo kind of tightens the lineup he just like aj hoggard is gonna be is gonna be a productive player for michigan state basketball going forward but him getting but him getting legitimate first half minutes is kind of weird um you know, I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's better right now than Foster. He's a better shot creator than Foster right now, but he's not better at running the offense than Foster. So seeing him so early in these games has kind of been a head scratcher. And it's obviously, it's obviously like Izzo saying, show me what you got. So 
I'll be yeah, he looked really good. Yeah, he looked he looked great yesterday. I mean, he, but I mean, it's Oakland, right? So. I mean, you got to take it with a grain of salt. But even the things that were like competition related, like he just he looked a little more comfortable with the ball in his hand. I thought the first few times I've seen him, he just kind of he kind of looked like a baby deer on ice. But he's kind of he settled down a little bit. So you know, obviously he's not going to get a ton of run in league play, but. You know, I'd like to see I'd like to see a little more AJ Hoggard going forward. So, you know, that's 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 all we, that's all I got this week. If you guys have anything else, no, just another beautiful week in Michigan State athletic Twitterverse in the world. I mean, I think things are definitely looking up for both programs. Yeah, obviously you got basketball team. I mean, they're six and all, but fans make it sound like they should be unranked. So that's always pleasant. And then the football team, I think we got some content coming out regarding national early signing day coming up on Wednesday. So get a few guys in here for next semester, which is always exciting. So. Yeah. Who do they, who do they play on Sunday? They play uh, Northwestern. So. Okay. Yeah. That should be a game that you could be able to tune up. That should be our fine tune lineup. I agree. Like I just, I love watching this team. They get me a little frustrated, but I love watching them. Yeah, so uh, that's it. Uh, MSU, uh, Maryland, Saturday, 5.30? 7.30. 7.30. And For then – we the premier night game. Uh, that's on Big Ten Network, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then uh, Sunday, 7 o'clock, also Big Ten Network, MSU, uh, Northwestern. Um, I believe that game is. I believe that game is the Bres. I believe that game is at Breslin. Okay, that game is at Ryan Field. That game's at Ryan Arena in uh, in Evanston. So, all right. Uh, so MSU's going on the road. We get a chance to see the get a chance to see the road greens again. Uh, fucking love those they go neons. Ooh, good. Because they didn't lose on them last year. No, got it. I think you gotta go. I think you gotta go neon on Sunday. So that's all we got for you guys this week. Uh, next week, uh, we hope to have our friends. Uh, we hope to have our friend Justin Thin on to kind of recap National Signing Day. Uh, other than that, guys, go green. Go white. Go white. Go sponge. Go Lewis. Go Lewis. Go Brady. Take a minute, y'all trouble fall. Feeling something, no, I can't ignore my instincts. Back just where I started, it's the same old damn song. This is what I need. Trying to find it on the right track. Oh, wanna be just for the free act. Mm. Talk to him, he don't speak back. Mm. Can't lose, I'm in the third act. Lord, seeing me swerve. Do this to my loved ones, I've got some nerve. Don't think I'm not sorry Give me now, hey, this time I'm ready for it Can't stop this war in me, can't stop this war in me and me, me Give me now, hey, this time I'm ready for it This fight, this war in me, this fight, this war in me This morning
as the story goes. Hey, hey, as the story goes. This fight is born me. This fight is born me, me, me. Standing on the cliff right off a Holland Drive. Back on my mind, lateness is a remedy. Something about the night that keep me safe and warm. Just me, the universe, and everything I think. Gotta see this wind on me as a storm. Never thought I would be back here bleeding. I'm not just some sad dude. You can see my life, how I grew. I want serenity. Tryna find it on the right track. Oh, wanna be this for the fiat. Talk to me, don't speak back. Mm, can't lose, I'm in the third act. See, it seems I'll never learn. I won't stop till I crash and burn. Tell my mom I'm sorry. Hear me now, hey, this time I'm ready for it Can't stop this war in me, can't stop this war in me, me, me Hear me now, hey, this time I'm ready for it This fight is war in me, this fight is war in me, me, me I've been here before, hey, hey, I've been here before can't stop this war in me, can't stop this war in me, me, me And the story goes, hey, hey, as the story goes This fight is war in me, this fight is war in me, me, me